I'm Corrine. And I'm Cameron. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to A Conversation, conversation Between Women. Right. Hi, Cameron. Hi, Corrine. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. One day at a time, one moment at a time. Oh, man, I'm there with you. Um, I am, I've been thinking about this podcast, um, a lot lately and how like excited I am about it. And I'm like really happy to be on here today because I just feel, I don't know. I don't know if anybody else is into our conversations as we are, but I love our conversations. <laughs> I think it's a service to the world to record them so people can hear them. So I have good feelings about it. And I think we're into the tens of listeners now. So all right. <laughs> so our biggest, are. I have to say that our biggest, um, our biggest uh, episode so far is the one where it's titled uh, Jesus, Aliens, and Joe Dispenza. So I was I'm like, not surprised. I should like, I was like, it's like I'm like quadruple what everything else has. So I'm like, maybe I should uh, just put Joe Dispenza's name in every title and then we'll just keep like writing his name. <laughs> or, oh yeah. Okay. I was thinking maybe it was the aliens and Jesus that people would be. It might be the triple. Interested. Triple yes. Effect, the trifecta. Right? Yeah. I just assumed it was Joe Dispenza, but. I mean, it's quite a topic, you know, Jesus, aliens, and Joe Dispenza, so. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what's been going on with you? Uh, well, I, I have, it's, I'm, I wonder if this is spring fever. That's a thing, right? Like, I, I'm feeling. I think that means you're super horny. <laughs> <laughs> that might be possible. Um, and I'm not sure we'll get into that on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Save that for the future. Um, but I, I have this, uh, I feel like the emotions or the energies are just really intense right now. But after I dropped my daughter off with the sitter, I was uh, just driving home feeling this like buzz, like a low grade buzz, but it felt like it's like, this is weird because it feels really intense, but it also is super not intense. It's very subtle. It's a very intense subtlety or a subtle intensity. I don't know. And it's uh, just like so much potential energy. And I think, I think it has to do with the work that I'm doing in myself, in my life. And I'm, I'm like awakening all this dormant energy that has just been... Uh, to at the ends of the earth for years now where it's like, I just kept, you know, draining all of my energy out, you know, pushing all this energy out of my body and having no energy in my field to draw from. And now I'm, I'm gathering all this energy up and I'm, it's like, it's, I don't know, maybe this is like the Kundalini thing. I've never done Kundalini yoga, but the idea of like awakening the, the serpent at the base of the spine, awakening that energy and, and it's like rising and I feel that. Um, and it feels like I'm doing all this work and, and I'm changing so many things. And Joe Dispenza talks about how, you know, once you start to make these energetic changes, you should start to see evidence in your physical reality. And I mean, in a, the last week, that's what's been happening. It's like synchronicity left and right, big things. I mean, small things, but big things in terms of stuff I've had energy on for a long time is all of a sudden appearing, you know? And um, 
And yet at the same time, it feels like nothing's happening. I feel very much in this place of like, I have all this energy and I'm ready for life to just like start happening, you know? And it's still just like the mundanity, like one day at a time, take the kid to the sitter, do the thing, cook the food, you know? And it's like, when does this feel like my life is like turned on, like and happening, you know? And I'm, I realized that it's sort of connected to, I, I go to this place of, of um, seeing where I am now and where I, where these, where the things that are happening now began. So like, I'll look back in the past and say, oh, well, this is, this is connected to that thing that started this many months ago or this many months ago. And then I'll look back and I'll say, ah, oh, if I had just latched onto it then and, and worked on it then, I would, I would already be, you know, wherever I want to be now, right now, instead of beginning now. I feel like I just keep, I, I'm like at the beginning and I'm at the beginning and I'm at the beginning and I'm totally not. And I feel like I totally am. And so I was, I read some, I was going to look up how to say his name. Eckhart Tolle, Eckhart Tolle. I don't know how to say his name. <laughs> that guy. It's Tolle. That's what I always okay. say. But... Okay. Well, him. So I was reading The Power of Now last night and, or this morning, and he had just, what he was saying about the, the holding the awareness of the inner body and how we um like when we are connected with our inner body the you know the outside world becomes less um like we're not in the past we're not in the future we're just here in this present moment and there's this stillness and there's this like vitality and youthfulness and like that's where the possibility is, right? So uh, driving home, I was trying to just like tune into that. And, and as soon as I did, I got connected to that knowing that like, it's all good. You know, time doesn't exist. Like there is plenty of time. I keep getting this message. There's plenty of time. There's plenty of time. There's plenty of time. But all my friends are having babies. <laughs> like this is nothing. <laughs> so... I'm like, okay, time. I got to just let go of time. But, um, but it's that buzz of energy that like, okay, all the energy is here. All the potential is here. I want it all to just manifest right now. But I also know that I'm, if I were ready for it, it would be manifesting right now. In, or it is know. manifesting. And, it's just not physical. Like it's not. Right. Physical. I think that sometimes we feel that we feel it's happening, but you can't fully see it. So it's like, where yes. the heck is it? <laughs> yes, that is a good way of describing it. Yeah, I feel it. It is happening, but it's, yes, not, um, not experiential enough for me at yeah. this moment. Um, and it's like, you know, in a matter of two months, like things will change. Somebody's knocking on my door. Uh, okay. She just ran off. Do you, um, do you think that that I never know what to do with that energy of like, there's like what you're saying, like there's all this energy that you have, but like, you can't just like get it out. And so sorry for everybody listening. I'm eating popcorn. <laughs> You'll find out in just a minute. I'm sure um, why. Um, but I, I always wonder if, if the, if my job in that moment is to kind of like, let the energy seep out and like hold it, like reserve it 
or is it just to get the energy out? So like a lot of times I'm like, I'm going to just go do some cardio, like a high intensity cardio workout or something to like get that energy out of my body because it gets a little overwhelming to carry all the energy. But then I'm like, well, am I just wasting this on, you know, stupid cardio when I should be like using it for a creative project or something else? Um, yeah. Like, what do you, like, how do you manage holding on to that, having that energy? Like, well, it feels like it's not, it's not necessarily like the go out and work it out of my body kind of energy. It's, um, well, I was thinking that I was like, oh, maybe this is like kids. This is how kids experience life. This like buzz of energy of like, life is so exciting. Cause I was remembering being a kid. And I, I, I really think that that's a, that's what it is. Like I, I've been so shut down and turned off for so long. And, um, that feeling of, of like just the excitement of, of for life, you know, just that life just is and it's unfolding and it's exciting and what's going to happen. Um, and I think I used to live in that state a lot more and I was much, I was very, you know, not maybe moody, but, um, you know, swinging on the pendulum of emotions, like really excited and nervous and whatever. But, uh, so I, I guess um, it's that sort of feeling of just excitement about the possibilities. And so it feels more like, yeah, it's definitely not energy that I just want to go dump on something. Um, it, it, and it, it feels like it's the energy that's being cultivated. So it's sort of just a riding the wave of it, like just being with it, recognizing it and recognizing that there's really, like there's nothing that I can do about it per se. Like I can still, all I can do really is just keep going, you know, like mm -hmm. keep doing the work, keep taking the steps that I'm taking in, in the physical realm of, you know, just the various um, projects or whatever that I'm doing. Like keep, just keep, keep on keeping on, you know, keep going with all the things and and then keep working through the energy like in my meditations and stuff. So, or just sitting outside in the sun. I think I'm gonna, I, I am planning on working on a hide later this afternoon and because it's just outrageously gorgeous here today. And so something like that where I will be doing something to move along towards the, the future that I'm seeking because I got to get this hide out of my freezer, <laughs> you know? So like I will be like working on something to, to, move towards my goal, but, um, also being outside and being supported by the elements. I also was going to ask you if you think that this, um, if you, how you think, or if you think that this, um, this energy, like that you're cultivating, how much that has to do with like the actual practice of meditation, because for me, I'm finding that, that, you know, like in the morning right now, it's really hard for me to just like have any energy in the morning. I don't want to meditate, but I know that when I sit down and do it, it brings up, it just makes me feel really energized whenever I'm done. So I'm wondering if you get that, if you have that experience too, of feeling energized after you meditate. And if you think that that's connected to that cultivating energy thing. I definitely do. I, I do a series of, I do different I don't know. I do at least, I usually do three meditations a day and there's like a short one in the morning and then I'll do a, like 
the work meditation at night and then the, the nighttime one. And, and then I also do this breathing practice in the morning. I've like combined the Wim Hof breathing with Joe Dispenza breathing and made my own thing that I like, holy cow, that's so awesome. Um, but I, yeah, the, the meditation is really helpful for getting me clear on what my energy is and then and then getting clear on what I want my energy to be and then shifting into that or like reconnecting with it so that going into the day I'm I'm like uh yeah that's my little life raft you know um but I I have noticed that I I really think this the breathing for me is huge um I've been doing the Wim Hof breathing for like a year and a half now and only in the last month or two maybe I added in the Joe Dispenza breathing into that practice um, because Joe Dispenza has this I guess it's kind of I don't know if it's a kundalini like breath but you're you're drawing the energy up from your lower centers and um, like this morning doing that I had such a clear energetic shift. I was totally in like lower energy center, lower vibration, anxiety, shame, nervousness, whatever, all those things. And I could feel it in my second chakra. And then as I pulled the energy up, there was this like pop and the energy is just sort of released into my brain. Cause that's, I've really started to be able to feel the energy moving up my spine and into my brain. And I can like feel my brain like energized, which feels so cool. Um, so I think, I mean, the breathing for me is a really big piece of it. And I find when I do the breathing before meditation, I feel like the meditation is more powerful and more, um, it, yeah, but it has more energy in it. Yeah. So combination. Yeah. I am really feeling like I am living in my lower chakras right now. It's been pretty interesting. It, I, can, I think that we talked about this the last time we talked that like the month before that I was feeling um, just things were just my daughter and I were having some like disagreements and just not getting along. And um, I don't know, there was just like weird energy and it's just keeps continuing to go on. Um, but it's, I mean, it's evolved and it's different, but it's just, it's really weird. And so for those of you listening, I'm pregnant right now. And so I'm, I don't know, I think I'm like 10 weeks or something. I have no idea, honestly, how pregnant I am, but I'm somewhere in the beginning. And I started noticing all of this happen when I, when I knew I was pregnant, that was one way that I knew I was pregnant is because I just felt, I can just feel this, you know, this stuff in my first and second chakra. And the first thing is that my, like, I can't wear skirts right now, or, you know, I have to wear like underwear, which I normally am not an underwear wearer, but I have to, because I, it feels like my mm. vagina is gaping open, like that lower chakra. And I can feel like air, like movement of energy coming out or going in. Like I can feel it. And I, and I know that it's a chakra thing because I felt this before with like my heart chakra. And then I felt it in like my spinal column. It's like this whole uh, the Ida Pingala and Shishuma channels. I felt, I, so I know it's like energy moving in and out. Right. But it's kind of like, it makes me feel really vulnerable. 
which is a totally different kind of vulnerability than I felt with my daughter when I was pregnant with her. Like I just couldn't even go out in public because I felt like so unprotected energetically. And I don't feel like that now, but I definitely cannot wear skirts. <laughs> um, and then my, with my second chakra, I'm feeling just, you know, I mean, that's just like, that's like the, the unconscious, right? So anytime, and it's connected to our third eye. So anytime I close my eyes and like focus on my third eye, it's just all of this like shit that like I had in my mind when I was, you know, a teenager in my early twenties, like stuff I've worked through. Right. But it's like appearing before me, like a movie playing. And so meditation is really challenging for me right now. And like, I've just been really just trying to focus on keeping my head in the right, like keeping my mind clear and keeping my mind focused on what I wanted to be focused on. And I got, I kind of came to a head last week. I just got really super emotional. And I'm, you know, since I was pregnant with my daughter four years ago, I really, I don't hardly ever cry anymore. And I used to cry like every single day. So something happened during that time where I just, just never, I never really cry. It's not like I'm repressing it. It's just not there. But last week, man, I had a good cry. I was like crying all day last Thursday. And so I thought, well, I was actually like went and had Sam like stopped him from doing his work. And I made him let me sit on his lap and I just cried in his lap and like, he doesn't know what to do. He's just like, okay, you know, like, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm just like crying about all of this stuff. So I went and listened to Anne Ortley's weekly weather because I hadn't been listening to it. And of course it was all like, Pluto basically is like totally watery, emotional planet. And I have a lot of Pluto in my birth chart or whatever. So it was all that stuff. So I was like, okay, well, I feel better. And that, that made me feel better. And I just realized I needed to, you know, pull it together. But it's been such a challenging time because it's not just me that's being affected. My whole family is going through their own things. Like my daughter's going through whatever she's going through. And I'm just trying to like, not murder her and just like hold space for her to be whatever she's becoming. And I, I think, I just think that it's just this energy shifting. There's a new energy coming in that she's excited about. Like she wants to have a baby in the house, but you know, I'm sure that that's also weird. Like, you know, so we had gotten to like a hour long thing yesterday where she didn't want her dad and I to touch each other. So she like threw a big fit and was like throwing this puzzle across the room. And it was kind of hilarious. So I really couldn't take it seriously, but I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to send you to your room. So you just need to go upstairs, take some deep breaths and then come back down whenever you're calm or whatever. She was up there. I was laughing hysterically because she's up there. She's like, I am not going to take deep breaths. I do not want to be in this room. I don't want to be upstairs. I don't want to be in this house. I don't want to be outside. I don't want to be anywhere on this property. <laughs> I was like, okay. I was like, all you have to do is take some deep breaths and calm yourself down and you are welcome to come down. And I was really proud of myself because I didn't get all pissed off about it. You know, like Sam was starting to melt down because he was feeling guilty because she was like, I don't need my papa. Papa, come help me. And he's like, always the rescuer, you know? And I was like, you're not saving her right now. And um, so I was just trying to get her to calm herself down. And I was like talking to her the whole time. And finally, you know, like an hour later, she calms herself down and she comes down and she's like, totally fine. But um, yeah, so that, but, but then like I was calm the whole time. We worked through the whole thing. And then after it was over, I was like, you all have to leave this house <laughs> because I'm going to like really start like thrashing on you. I, it was like later, it just like, I was perfectly calm. And then afterwards 
then I started thinking about the situation and I was like, okay, this situation is happening because her dad rescues her all the time. And I'm the only disciplinary, you know, it's the whole dynamic. Like I'm the disciplinarian. He rescues her because he feels guilty. He was feeling guilty because he had gotten on to her earlier in the day, which had nothing to do with that moment. The, mo the reason it happened is because she doesn't want her dad and I to touch each other. And it's like, that's not acceptable. You know, like that just can't, it can't go on. So yeah, it was this whole big thing. But anyway, so we're all going through all this stuff. And then, you know, her dad's going through his own, I don't know, dark night of the soul or whatever you want to call it. So it's been really interesting because I'm like, you know, I'm the mother. It's my job to like hold it all together, basically. And I also am totally willing to let people fall apart. Like I'm not going to like, not doing Sam's work for him. I'm not going to, you know, like, I don't want to like end my daughter's suffering and like never to have her suffer or whatever, you know, but I do need to maintain some sort of harmony in the, in this atmosphere. And it's hard for me because I'm in my lower chakras most of the time, just like dealing with my own shit. That's like, I don't know if it's this baby kicking stuff up or whatever, like being down there. And I'm like, what are you doing down there? Because when I was pregnant with Walela, I was so happy, like happier than I've ever been. And like, laughing. I would just like lay in bed and giggle. I wasn't reading or watching movies. I couldn't do anything. I was so sick. All I could do is lay in bed and stare at the ceiling or sleep. And I would just giggle. And I was so happy to do that for like the whole nine months of my pregnancy. I did that. And now like I have, it's a totally different experience of just like having all these weird thoughts and emotions and old stuff coming up. So I'm like, what is this kid going to be like? Like, and so I just keep having, I just keep having in my mind, like I have to be, I have to not have these thoughts because I don't want to like imprint my child with these thoughts. Um, plus I'm going through this whole, like, you know, postpartum training thing. When we talk a lot about birth and like pre and perinatal psychology and like how the moment you're conceived, it like affects your child. And like, so it's all this intense stuff of like, I don't want to mess this kid up. But I also am like, what well, is it? This kid's like stirring stuff up down there. Like I'm obviously supposed to look at this stuff. So I'm navigating this whole really weird world. And um, yeah, I don't really know. I also am just kind of like in a fog all the time. I just like bumble around the house, like, you know, in my own little world. And it's really a weird, it's really a weird time. And I've been really emotional about the external world, like all the weird stuff that's happening in the world that I have. I mean, I don't like watch the news or anything and I'm not really getting on the internet at all to look at stuff, but I just feel like stuff's weird out there. And so I'm just, I can't imagine what mothers were going through last year when it was like serious, hardcore lockdown. I mean, I know it still is in some places, but like when it was just like in the beginning and they were pregnant and oh my God, I can't even imagine. Um, yeah. So life is really weird for me <laughs> right now. I was like, I don't even know. I can't, and I can't like, I can't really like bitch about it because nothing's bad. And I get that things are just happening and this is part of it, but I'm kind of, you know, I think I say this all the time and I'm always feel like I'm like a, this car up on two wheels, like turning this corner. And all I'm trying to do is keep the four wheels on the ground. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of like, maybe I should just let it all, let everything fall apart and just, yeah. you know, whatever. I mean, <clears throat> I just keep telling myself if I don't live in this house, it's okay. If I don't live in Ohio, it's at wherever I'm at, it's just going to be fine. I'm going to have this baby, whether I want to or not. And wherever that happens, whatever happens, like, 
I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just going to be okay with whatever happens. So trying to get there <laughs> with being okay with whatever happens. I'm not really good at, I'm not really good at that. So I'm trying. Wow. There's a lot in that. Yeah. Um, I was just, well, the, you know, you saying the thing about the two wheels, I, so definitely there's some universal something happening right now because yesterday for us was super intense for a lot of the day. And I totally, I totally hear you about sort of the, the delayed response where you're like, I've got it. I'm going to keep it together. I'm going to choose who I'm going to be in this interaction and let her do her thing. And then it percolates up like hours later. Um, yeah, I, I, I had a sort of similar experience yesterday. And um, also it, it well, it triggered, it, it, it inspired a lot of thoughts or different ways of experiencing situations like this or looking at it for the future. Because part of what I've realized is um, okay, I'll try to organize my thoughts because there's so many things in response to what you said. Um, okay, to start with the piece, so the piece about, you know, what you're learning in the postpartum course and what we know now about, you know, when the baby's conceived and all the energetics and the thoughts and all that stuff. And um, my, my thought was, you know, yeah, you're that all that's true and it's a co-creation right so it's not you it's not the baby it's both of you and and it's everything else it's not just every like planet the entire right. universe <laughs> right it's it's the quantum field like it's a co-creation between you and source or and you're all it so there's that but then the reality that everything that you experience is part of that co-creation and so if you're in it and you're thinking all these thoughts, but you're processing through them and you're releasing them, then you're releasing them and the baby experiences the release. And, you know, it's like all of that. So all the healing, like, it's not like nobody, nobody is doomed to be fucked up for the rest of their existence, you know? Right, and like, right. and I have so latched on to that um, for so much of my life that I well, I just am because X, Y, or Z and, um, and just realizing like learning through all the work that I'm doing now, that that's just not the case. And we are all at choice in every single moment. And I know a lot of people say that it sounds like a new agey thing, but like the reality is that in this present moment, the quantum field is the only reality. And so like, which is just all possibilities. And and so there's always the potential for radical transformation. Um, yeah, healing is always accessible. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so I was experiencing all of this stuff. Like I've at least finally honed in that for whatever reason, I know most women get PMS, but I get ovulation, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> which also makes me think like, Maybe it's my body being like, why is there not a baby in here right now? <laughs> I'm tired of ovulating, damn it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> um, I definitely like right at ovulation and like, I guess that, you know, that week leading up to bleeding, because I, I, I don't know, for me, it's a week. <laughs> um, 
it's just everything is just a little bit like kind of tense holding my breath in just like okay just get through it one day at a time one moment at a time breath at a time and um and i just realized that that's part of what was going on yesterday like i just couldn't i couldn't shift my state i couldn't get locked into the energy of my future as easily as i can like you know three weeks out of the month and and what it does is it triggers all of those thoughts about the permanence of my fucked upness and my daughter's fucked upness and all the ways, all the mistakes that I've made, all the wrong choices, all the blah, 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 all, all of that stuff and how I knew better and I should have done better and all of those things. And, and so I look at, so, so for me, it's like such work to say, okay, what is happening right now? What is this experience? You know, Eckhart Tolle talks about how like, yeah, it's hard to deal with the past and it's hard to deal with the future, but you can always deal with this moment. And what happens in this moment is that you're living in the past. So I'm drawing from all of my thoughts about why she is doing this in this way right now. And, and it always comes back to blame and shame and guilt and regret and what it could have should have and wishes and just a longing to be able to go back and rewrite history. And, and the thing is that I can rewrite history, but I can only do it right in this moment. Yeah. And so it is, it, the possibility does actually exist for me to rewrite the past, but I have to reframe or come to a different understanding and a different presence with how that happens. And, and so I, I'm having more and more moments of that awareness, like every time she erupts or something happens and I'm like, okay, no, in this moment, this pattern, we're going to work on it right here, right now. So that it's as if the past didn't happen and going forward, the future can be different. But, um, yesterday was really, really, really hard. <laughs> and I feel like I came to some good, um, some better places with the, the challenging experiences and in interactions with her, like better awarenesses in myself. Um, and, and I also realized like, you know, this, it's so, this Joe Dispenza evening meditation is so helpful because it's partly to review the day and say like, just look at it, see what you did. What could you have done better? What would you do next time? What would be more in alignment with your future? And then the other part of it is like, look back and what, like, what do you love about yourself? Celebrate what you did well. And it's on days like yesterday where my sort of baseline state of being and feeling about myself is like, I feel like, I feel like shit about myself. I feel like I'm a piece of shit and you know, I don't deserve to be a mother. And so when it's, when that is the baseline thought, it's really hard for me to even recognize things that I love about myself and things that I did well, because it's like, it's not like it's all neutral. And then I did some things that I wish I hadn't done like that, or I spoken, you know, uh, um, in ways that were not in alignment with, you know, my loving self. And then I had other things that were in alignment. It's like, it, it's like it, um, you know, you can look at the world through rose colored glasses, or you can look at the world through shit colored <laughs> glasses. Yeah. And so I was, even though I had some moments that were like, wow, you know, that was a really shitty experience with her. And that, she was being like, 
I mean, I can't even begin to tell you what that was like, you know, like all the things that she was doing and stuff. And, and, and I managed to get through it and like, and, and be more in alignment with who I want to be. And it was super, super hard. It was super triggering. And so, you know, I could throw the baby out with the bathwater or I could recognize it like, yeah, it sucks. And yeah, I felt shitty about myself that it was happening because I was blaming myself that it was happening because of how I'd been in the past with her, you know, or the dynamics that I created or whatever that was. Um, but like the fact of the matter is that I am in each moment making steps towards my future. And I had, like, you're talking about, you're not going to save people. What it was making me think was that I had a thought around this whole experience yesterday where, well, it made me think of my aunt actually, cause she had the, she got this dog years ago and it was just this like super energetic kind of wild, crazy dog. She was like, yeah, I just you know, kind of let her run wild. And then eventually she got it out of her system and she calmed down and it took like three months, but she would be like running up and down the stairs and all over the house, you know, and it was just, she just let it run its course. And I've thought about that for years with my daughter and, um, and I, it, it always occurs to me that like, maybe that's the option. And I think that's a, there's like a dance here with it because that was one piece that I realized, like she just needs to have space to expand and like let this energy out in some way, right? She needs to be, have, have her space to feel like she can be in her own energetic space. And all of the thoughts that I have about her that are like based on, um, well, I, ha you know, I have my judgments and I have my, um, assumptions or assessments about why she behaves certain ways and, and um, my theories, you know. And what I realized is, like, I also don't like who she is sometimes. Like, I don't like how she behaves and how she, like, how entitled she is or how she, you know, how she behaves in certain ways. And it's not that there's anything wrong with her. And yes, maybe it's based on the past and all that stuff. But really what it is, is like, I just need to make different choices that deal with these things now. And it's like, I don't feel like I'm being super clear, but as opposed to like her, she's this way because I did all of these things all fucked up. So like now you have to deal with all of that, like just dealing with it. Like, okay, right now she's acting entitled and like dealing with yeah. that situation. Like this moment she's being entitled and I don't like it. So let's deal with this moment instead of, re-unpacking all the yes. shit that comes up. Yeah. 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 And so what I realized was um, my chiropractor here, she has a interesting little like inspirational things on her wall sometimes. And the last one, it was all these things. It was like 10 parenting things or something. And one of them was don't ever let your kids do something that makes you don't makes you dislike them. I was just going to say that because that's from Jordan Peterson's book. Um, he has 12 rules for life and I opened oh, it up to that page. Yeah. And it says that. And I'm like, that's kind of my parenting strategy. Like I tell my mom all the time, like I don't let her do that stuff because I don't want to hang out with somebody who watches TV or somebody who like mm. you know, plays with stupid toys. Like I don't like those stupid pink fluffy stuffed animals. I don't want to hang out with somebody that hangs out with those. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I realized, you know, I do, I've, I've parented so much from like a philosophical place of the ideals of the way I think things should be, which 
has merit in terms of striving for an ideal, you know, that is more in alignment with like your values and stuff, but functionally it, it ends up being a little bit like top down. Like it's not like boots on the ground. Like what does that look like in parenting? You know, it's just, it's like a controlling, like I've, I've been, it's, it's given me an excuse to be as controlling as I am, <laughs> you know, and, or I've used it. Yeah. Somehow in that way. But part of what I realized in the whole thing yesterday, it's like, like who the hell does she, is she, who the hell, who the hell does she think she is that she can treat me like this? Because this is completely unacceptable. And like, I can't even, I, there's nothing I can do in this moment to get it to stop. Like, and I get that it's, you know, it's stuff coming out that I think she's releasing and healing too, which I'm hoping. Um, but it's like, it's just an okay. And I don't want to live like this. I don't want to live in a house like this. I want to be in love with my life. And I'm not in love with my life living in a house with a child who treats me like this. And so, um, so this morning I, you know, and I get like, I, all these ideas, like kids should play until they're seven and like be free and blah, blah, blah. And, and I want her to be involved in stuff. And she does help with things around the house to an extent, but, um, there's still, I still sort of get stuck in that philosophical thing of like, this is how it should be. So I should do this. It's like, no, actually I want to have a person in this house who is like, recognizes that we're a family and we, you know, need you your weight. Like everybody yeah. needs to help. Right. Yeah. And, and I look at like, when I was a kid, it was, it was totally like, we didn't feel the family glue. Like we weren't all a unit, like working towards a common goal and we had chores, but we resented them. And I didn't want to clean the bathroom. And I, didn't feel like the inspiration to just unload the dishwasher because I hated doing it. And, and it wasn't like, Oh, well, this is our house and we're all in this together and the dishwasher needs to be emptied. So I'm going to do it. And mom doesn't have to ask Or if she does, I'm just going to do it because it's not her job. Yeah. You know, and that idea that like, it's not all my job. And, and so this morning, um, I, I don't remember how this started. Oh, I, we had made breakfast together yesterday and she like did really well and she was excited about it. And so I was like, let's do that again today. And she was like, no, I'm playing blah, 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 and this whole thing. And I'm like, yeah, but I think we should make breakfast together and realizing to not put responsibility on her, but to just bring her and say like, we're going to make breakfast together. And then we're going to clean up the dishes and we're going to do all this stuff together. Yeah. And so she was like having a total fit and was like, no, I want you to make breakfast. Just I mean, totally like, I mean, she's a kid and I get it. She's a kid and it's not okay. I kept thinking about the Amish. I was like, this would never fly in an Amish Oh, household. hell no. <laughs> hell no. And so she was just being like super like that. And so, and I was like, okay, well, I'm hungry, but I can wait. I'm not going to make breakfast. So I went upstairs and I sat and I read Eckhart Tolle and I was like, reading some good stuff, getting in a good space. And then eventually she called up and she goes, mama can we make breakfast now? It's like, sure. And so I came down and we made breakfast together and it was awesome. And she was totally like, she did all the thing. I mean, she, she basically made breakfast and then we ate and she wanted to go bike. And I was like, well, we need to come and do the dishes. And she's like, oh yeah, but I'm going to go bike. I was like, no, she's like, oh, we're going to do the dishes. I was like, yeah. She's like, oh, okay. And so she came, it was like, all she needed for me to do was just actually stand up for it, hold the line. And then yeah. And have her understand like, no, actually you're a part of this and we're in this together. So yeah. this is what we're doing. And 
I think that that's a huge thing. I used to, I mean, I talk about this all the time and I talk about it with my, with my partner's family because it definitely is a situation where, I mean, mama is, you know, in her late mid sixties and she's still trying to do everything for everybody. She's finally figuring out like she can't do that because she's unwell, but like that's, I grew up with a single mom and like, that wasn't like, and all single moms, like every mother in my family was a single mother. So it just wasn't, it wasn't even an option, you know, like I had to cook dinner for my family when I was in like kindergarten. So, um, and so I think about that, like with my daughter, you know, like, and I thought about it all these years, like working with kids and all this stuff. And it's like, when we, when we don't, people don't, people don't see it. Like people see it as like, well, I don't want, I had to work so hard as a kid. I don't want my kid to have to work so hard. You know, like I just want my kid to have a childhood and it's like, yeah, I get that. And at the same time we rob anybody, not just our kids, but anybody, we rob them of the experience of stepping up and participating and like being involved in a community. It's like, if you've, I mean, I know you've spent a lot of time in intentional communities and I've been to some where um, there's no, like, nobody kind of initiates you or makes you feel welcome to like, Hey, if you cook, just cook for everybody. Or if you're going to do this, just do it for everybody. And in those places, it's always been really awkward for me. But when I've gone into communities where they're like, all right, so here's how we do it. We just all eat together. If you have something contribute, contribute it. And it's just awkward if people don't eat together. So if you cook something, just cook enough for everybody. And like, you know, if you, let's just everybody clean up and take care of it. So it's like more of a community feeling like you're automatically like, okay, I know what to do. I could just step in here and, and just pitch in. It's like when you have like, um, when you have a, a party and you have like your girlfriends over or something and they're like, what can I do to help? And then the host says, the hostess says, oh, nothing. I've got it all un under control. But what you've just done is put a separation between yourself. Instead of saying, actually, if you could just do the dishes and if you could get this cheese plate out and cut this all up or whatever, then you're all, it's fun. Like you're all working together and everybody's doing things together instead of like, oh no, I'm the slave here and I'm just going to wait on all of you. Like, no. And I figured that whole girl party thing out because I just, when I was in Oklahoma living, like when we had girl parties, everybody just brought food and it's like, you bring food and we'll have it at my house and whatever. But then when I moved here, it was like, still, I tell people like bring snacks, bring drinks, whatever. And nobody does. And I'm like, why does nobody bring, why should I have to provide all this food? Like I, what, why aren't you bringing food? But I think it's this whole thing. Like everybody's from Ohio. So they're just like, my mom did everything for me. So I don't bring anything. <laughs> oh, uh -uh. Yep. Oh, you need to bring some food. And so I'm having a, a girl party on this weekend and I'm like told everybody bring some food or bring some drinks because my pregnant ass is not making food for anybody else. And I don't even like to eat my own food. So you have to feed me. <laughs> like You have to bring food. But I think that it just makes everybody feel more involved. Like, you know, whether it's in your family or your community or with your friends or whatever, it just makes people feel more involved when they have a job to do, you know, like, instead of standing around, I went to this farm the other day to these people's house down the road. And the woman is like, got three boys under the age of seven and she's holding a baby on her hip and she's trying to milk all these crazy goats that are just like running around. And in my mind, I was like, can I help you? Can I help you do something? Can I hold that baby? But like, I didn't know this woman and she's just like, I got it. I got it all under control. And I was like, uh, and so I ended up leaving feeling really shitty because of like, why didn't I just force myself on her and take the baby from her, like milk a goat or something. But I didn't feel like it was my place because she like 
she wasn't making the invitation, right? So it was like, we both had, so I just made a vow, like next time I go over there, I'm just going to like force myself on her and she'll just have to like accept help from me or something because it was a crazy situation. And uh, yeah, so um, yeah, we have to, we have to, it has to be reciprocal. That's reciprocity, yeah. right? It's like a natural law. But that's the thing. I mean, th- what, what you're describing in that woman though is, is a, I mean, yeah, maybe it's more of a, maybe it's in the Midwest heavily and maybe not as much other places, but I do feel like it's a common theme for women that were like, no, no, you know, I, I'm okay. I can, I can do this. And, and sort of feeling, you know, if somebody helps us, then that we have somehow failed. Like that, yeah, that were, yeah. And, um, and then growing up, like with the moms that are doing that, I mean, I, that's, that was totally my experience. Like I'll see, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. Right. So I don't want to go and insert myself into somebody's life because they've probably got it all figured out and they like it exactly how they like it. Like we're all like, you know, it's, it's like, this is what I can manage. I've figured everything out and this is how it works. And this is where things go. And this is who does what. And if anything comes in to disrupt that, my entire world is going to come crashing down, you know? And, and so my life sucks. So that's like what it is. It's like, cause my life sucks. Like my mother-in-law does this when we were living there, I would put the dishes up and then she'd get all pissed because all the dishes were out of order. It's like, I just fucking put the dishes up, man. I don't know where they go. I did my best, you know, but like she was hung up on the fact that the dishes were in the wrong place. So she had to spend a whole day to like reorganize things. Right. Yeah. Like, but that's just because like what you're saying, like that's the only place she had any power was the kitchen. Yeah. So like, when I, and I just like went in there and yeah, I just totally took over her territory and like in a way of trying to help, but it was like, yeah. you know, and that, I mean, I don't know. I, I definitely think it's women everywhere, but if in, in general, it's women all over, but the Midwest, it's a particular kind of, it's a particular kind of really ingrained, you know, mm-hmm. and it was different just for me because like I said, I, I grew up with a single mom. So it was like, she came home and shit wasn't done and it was all hell breaks loose, you know, like what you haven't fed your brother what you haven't done dishes what you haven't cleaned the house like you know all this stuff because hmm. i was the only one to do it was just me so yeah and my brother so yeah it's it's definitely different here for sure well and also i mean i guess it depends on yeah people's upbringing but there are i i'm i'm always struck when i see somebody who inserts themselves effortlessly fluidly whatever into another person's space or life or things and I have two friends here who I've seen do it and I'm like whoa it's an art it's like <laughs> you just you're just like at home but yeah. it was great because the next time that I went to that friend's house I was like I'm just making myself at home here I'm not gonna I clearly don't need to be like tiptoeing around um but I think some people I wonder, I wonder if it has to do also, I mean, I wonder if people who have more siblings, like have bigger families, come from bigger families, have more of a tendency towards that than people who are like the little nuclear family, two and a half kids. And, you know, everybody has their own room in their own space and their own individuality, individual things like, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that that plays into it because, you know, there's just more kids like you have to help. It's like we were saying with the Amish, yeah. like, yeah, that mom's like, no, there's like 19 of you. I am not doing everything for you, you know? 
Yeah. I think I've told this story before that our, some of our Amish friends, the, the mom and dad, they had had, they had like a nine month old baby and they have, I think at the time they had maybe like 10 kids or something. The oldest being like a 14 or 15 year old girl down to the nine month old. And they, the dad's sister in New York had had a really challenging labor and she had had a stillborn, stillborn baby before that. And so they wanted to go there and like support her or whatever during her postpartum and labor time. And, um, they just left all the kids there. And like, not only did they just leave all the kids there with the, with the nine month old, but like, they still had a business to run, which is that they sell produce and like, they have a stand at their house and like, they have other farmers like us who go and buy large quantities of produce and they have a schedule and they have to harvest all this stuff, wash the stuff, milk the cows, feed the animals. I mean, they run the farm and we went there to get stuff and we're like, oh yeah, where's your parents? And we're like, oh, they went to New York for the week or whatever. And it was just like, I was like, I mean, it just, it amazed me. I was like, wow. And they were, they did it, you know, they were running a little bit behind schedule, but they like harvested everything. And, you know, keep in mind that like their family is all around. Yeah. So I'm sure somebody was checking in on them, but I was just, I just, it just put me in a new level of respect for Amish kids. I mean, the work that they do is just, it's pretty amazing. So <laughs> it's like, I can have no sympathy for these uh, English kids anymore <laughs> because these Amish kids are just like killing it in life. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, that, I, that's something that kind of became, I've had this awareness for it, maybe years on and off, but more heavily, you know, since I moved here and I, I it's like, that's a, it's a gift that I can give my kid, you know, I'm not, I'm not stealing her childhood. I'm not, um, like denying her in any way, like, oh, you can't play right now because we're going to do dishes together. Like that's, that's actually not a, a sacrifice because what she's getting is skills, competency, confidence in herself, connection, unity, community, part of the family, like shared fate, shared, you know, invested energy. And like, there's just so many benefits. And I remember like I did this, um, you know, the elimination communication coach certification thing years ago. And one of the things that uh, Andrea Olson, who um, has created the whole go diaper free stuff, when in the course, one of the things that she said is that people you know, like, especially in terms of potty training, people have gotten it into their heads and it's not, it's, you know, probably top down. It's like from the diaper industry, but they've gotten it into their heads that giving their, making their children use the toilet is somehow like damaging to them, you know, yeah. and that like they should be given as much space and time to do things at their own pace. And like three years old, four years old is, you know, totally normal for a kid to stop using diapers. And um, I don't say this with any judgment to any parent who's in that case, in that situation, but just that this idea that if we give our children tools for independence and success, that somehow that's going to harm them. And, um, and really like, it's the total opposite because I've spent so much of my adult life feeling like, God, I was a little shit as a kid, but I was a little shit as a kid because I was, you know, like felt guilty about 
being privileged and all this stuff. And it's like, well, because I wasn't in a house that taught me that I mattered and that I like was a participant and that we were all creating this family and this house together, you know? And I, so, um, and I don't say that with blame, but just an awareness that, you know, I, I didn't like who I was because of how I was raised. And so I don't want to raise my kid to be somebody who's not going to feel good about herself because she can't help the fact that she feels entitled or she can't help the fact that she feels like everybody should just do things for her. Like she's going to feel, you know, she may reach a point if I don't support her in, in understanding that she has a role to play, she'll reach a point where she feels these things and doesn't know how not to feel these things. You know, like I spent so much of my life and I'm still working through it, but I spent so so much of my life feeling that, like feeling superior, feeling separate from, feeling apart from everyone else. And I mean, the flip side was feeling like I didn't belong, but it, it was, you know, the two sides were that and that I felt like, um, oh, well, I don't really want to do anything. I don't really want to help. I mean, I know I'm supposed to offer and I will offer, but I like, don't really want to participate. I'd rather you just do it all for me, you know? And that was like, that sucks. Like, that's not fun to work through. <laughs> I mean, you know? at the core of that, that too is like, at the core of that is really like a feeling of incompetence because like yes. you weren't Massive ever given the opportunity to do that. So like, you don't yeah. even feel qualified to do that. So then you're like, well, I'm just above that. Like, I mean, I've done that myself. Like, well, I'm just not going to do that because I'm like superior to that. And like, I don't have to do that. And um, yeah, it, it is totally like a feeling of incompetence of like, well, I can't really step in here because either a, I'm not worthy or I'm not qualified, or if I do it, somebody's going to be upset with me or, you know, as opposed to just looking at it, like, this is helpful. And like, you know, if somebody gets mad at you for being helpful, then like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. (laughs) You're trying to be helpful. It's, it's a, it, it is a thing. And like, I feel like this is like the whole parenting spectrum is like this because you have like, we come from like, you know, the great depression era parents, and then you go to the baby boomers and you move through this whole thing. And it like started out as like forced child labor camps, you know? (laughs) And now it's like, you do the dishes and you're equivalent to putting your child in a forced child labor camp, you know, it's like, it's not the same thing, you know? And so we've gone through this spectrum of, from the great depression where like everybody had to work and from it, like the industrialization of the world and, you know, these people who wanted um, employees. So they forced the children, they put mom to work and they forced the kids to go to work in this whole like messed up system. And then we fast forward now and it's like, well, I kind of think it's a part of a, it's like, a, it definitely is a protective mechanism of parents. And I kind of feel like it's parents unknowingly like fighting the system of like, no, you're not going to force my kid to be like your labor, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and, but at the same time, it's like, it goes too far. And like the potty training thing, I'm just reading this book um, for this course and it's called, um, I think I talked about it before. It's called uh, Maternity Coming Face to Face with Our Shadow by Laura Gutman and she's from Argentina and she's a, I think either a psychologist, psychotherapist, something like that, but she works with a lot of moms and kids and does these postpartum mothering and family classes or whatever. And she talks in there about like, you know, I totally don't agree with her whole thing on um, what she talks about with like potty training and stuff. And like one example that she gives though of 
this like potty training gone wrong is that her, um, one of her clients has like 10 kids and all of them were still in diapers, even though the oldest one was 19 years old and the youngest one was like, you know, three or something, they were all still in diapers. And what had happened is like this mom felt so guilty because they didn't have a real structure in their family of like bonding, like doing the dishes together and whatever, like the mom was just like doing everything for these bajillion kids. And so what happened is the only way that these kids could bond together was over wearing diapers and like shitting themselves and talking about how they pooped their pants and all, you know, it was like, it was a totally fucking disgusting. Like I was like judging hardcore. It was a really messed up story. But, um, and so like, you know, the, the therapist, Laura Gutman, who wrote, wrote this book, she's like talking about, obviously this has gone to extreme, you know, or whatever. But, um, so she like worked out this whole thing with them and got all of the kids out of diapers, but it was all basically because, they didn't have, they didn't feel involved or bonding. Like they had no other way to bond with each other than wearing diapers is a very bizarre situation. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, that's a pretty extreme example, but an example nonetheless of just like robbing people in general, our kids, whatever, of the opportunity to experience independence. And and there is, it is a fine line. You know, I, I dance this line all the time with my daughter because I had to be really independent really early. And so I kind of force her to be independent really early. And sometimes I have to like pull back because I realize like, okay, I've literally said no to everything, to doing anything she just asked me to do because I'm like, you can do it yourself, but I probably could make her a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or whatever, you know, like whatever it is that she wants. And um, we had this thing the other day where she was talking to my mom on a video chat and my mom was going to give her all these dolls and she was going to, my mom was talking about building a shelf at the top of the bedroom so that we could put, cause they're like collector's dolls, you know? And, uh, my daughter was like, well, you have to put the shelf down low because I want to play with them and mama and papa aren't going to get them for me. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. And my mom was like, what does that mean? I was like, that means her dad and I have refused to help her way too much. And, you know, it was just kind of another eye-opening moment of where I see, I know that she can do something. So I make her do it instead of just, you know, like I can help her sometimes. Yeah. So it's, it's a really challenging balance for me because I kind of push her, have always pushed her too far um, to the independence thing or whatever. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know that I've struck a healthy balance at all, but I, I, I work really hard at, at doing that. And I'm really trying to not be not be that way and not be like the no mom all the time, but also, yeah, not have like an entitled kid that's like, you know, because it's really gratifying when I see her go into the fridge and just like get everything out and make herself like a snack plate. I'm like, that's so cool. Like, you're just like, yeah, that's awesome. And she like makes a well-balanced meal and it's like this whole great thing. And, you know, but if she only does that like once a month, it's fine. <laughs> I'll have to like, well, you've done it once. You have to do it forever. <laughs> <laughs> that is the trap that I fell into early on. I was like, I know that you can do this. I've seen you do it. Why are you making me do it for you? And forgetting that learning is not linear, number one, but number two, that as I always say, it's not all one-to-one. -one. Like just because she can do it doesn't mean that all of the other factors are aligned in that moment. Like, yes, yeah, she's physically capable, but is she emotionally capable of doing this right well, now? Like or she is she mentally capable? Right. Yeah. And 
and you know, my daughter is just so articulate um, and always has been, you know, was able to like pronounce her THs like from the get go, you know, like she's always been the way she holds herself and the way she talks. It's, it's hard for, it's been hard for me to see how little she is. Um, yeah. But, and she's tall too. And she's so tall. Like she's always forget, been tall. Like <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but the, um, the thing that you said on, I don't remember a couple episodes ago about Sam um, making that decision to just do whatever she asked as soon as she asked it mm-hmm. um, really hit home with me. It really struck a chord and has stayed with me. And I've been, well, I don't remember when I started. It may have been right after that, but I started doing that and realized how much more spaciousness I feel in myself when I consciously make the choice not to say no, because no, for me, I realized in the process of doing this, that no is my control. No is my self-preservation. No is like, don't get in my space. I'm doing, you know, like it's, it's, it's me in like low energy. um, Like a wall. Trump. Yeah. It's like, and it, but it's like a trauma response. It's like somebody's asking something of me and demanding me give them my energy, but it's my energy. You can't have it, you know? And it's like totally, I just didn't realize to, I mean, I had, a, I knew it wasn't great, but I didn't realize exactly what it was. Um, and so I immediately feel more spaciousness and I feel like the softness stays between us. And then her responses and her requests of me are so much gentler and nicer. And if I like, if she tells me to do something versus like asking, hey, mama, can you do this for me? Or, you know, if, she's, if she gets into that like catty entitled kind of tone or whatever, I just look at her and she's like, mama, can I have this please? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't even have to say anything. And it's just, for, it's, it's like, she's learning, oh, mama is gonna help me. Cause that's really what it is, is needing to know that she's, cared for and not alone and knowing that I'm here to support her. And, and that's a really big way for me to do it that I haven't been able to latch onto in the past, I think. And so um, I've been super grateful for that because, and realizing also, I don't know if you mentioned this in the podcast, but your friend who figured out ways to not say no. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been, so I've been playing with that because there are sometimes where I can't do it right now. And I would have just said, hang on a sec. And instead I'll say, yeah, I'll be right there. And so then I still have that moment to like- It just changes the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because if I say yes, instead of no, even if I don't come right away, half the time she's like, oh, I did it. I figured it out. I got it myself. Yeah. Or whatever, you know, and oh my God, it feels so nice. <laughs> I'm, I've been trying to do that too, since we had that conversation, just trying to not be the no mom or whatever. And so I've been doing that a lot. Like I will in just a moment, you know, like I just trying to make the first word like, yes, I will do that. And whatever yeah. comes after whatever, but I'm just going to say yes. Cause it's really, it really is challenging for me because like you were saying, like, it feels like it's sucking all this energy. And then the other thing too, is that like, I'm having this real, I've been having this realization for the last year of, um, this part of my, it's like part of the mother archetype for me is like an unwell mother because my mom was, um, she still is very, 
I don't know. She's not like sickly. Like everybody used to call her a hypochondriac. I don't think she's a hypochondriac. I think she's a really sensitive person and she feels a lot in her body and she's always gotten migraines, especially, but she, anything that goes out there, like any sickness, like she gets it, whatever. She's just, you know, she just had this year, like three surgeries, you know, like there's just so much. So she was always missing work um, because she was sick. There was never a day that like she missed work so that we could go do something or missed work for any other reason other than, and like, she wouldn't miss work to like take me to a basketball game or to take me to the dentist or whatever. It was like, she would drop me off at the dentist, go back to work, come back and pick me up, take, you know, like this whole thing. And so it, it was just, she was, and, and I was like a caretaker for her and I would make her like these little cups with pennies in them and she'd ring the cup and I'd come and bring her food or whatever. And this whole thing. And, and I just never really, I just really been thinking about that, like how I have kind of be, become that archetype in my mind of a mom, not because I'm sick or anything, but just my energy level. Like it really got heavy last year because all last summer I was just so tired. And I mean, I had a miscarriage last summer, so that was part of it, but also just all this energy changing and just this planetary stuff. It really took a toll on my my physical body. And I just got really exhausted all the time. And, um, so I'm trying really hard to like get out of that pattern and not let the, and then now I'm pregnant. So I am just like sleeping like half the day. And so I'm, I really have to just, I've started this last couple of weeks, just, I get up in the morning and I just don't lay, I don't let myself lay down. And like, because I know if I get on that couch and lay down or go to the bed, like I'm not getting back up. And so I just get up and try to do what I can and just make a whole bunch of snacks for my daughter and just get everything all lined out. So at least she ha I can just say like, if I need to take a nap, like there's food on the table or whatever, but it's really, it's been a, a real challenge for me to like see myself as that mother archetype that I have in my mind of like the sick mom and um, to know it's not true that I'm not a sick mom, but that I'm in my way playing that playing that role or whatever. And I don't want to do, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And already my daughter is like, Oh, are you tired mama? And it's like, I don't want, I don't want to be that mom. Like, I don't want, I don't, just don't want to be that person. And, but I also like, I am also a sensitive person. And so a lot of the ways that, that the world affects me is through my energy and I have extreme amounts of energy or I have no energy. Like there's not like any kind of, I still haven't figured out that flow and anything that happens in my life or in the world, really, it requires a lot of energy for me to deal with. And so I really just have to, and I mean, one way I shifted and was able to have been able to get this far in the last four years in my life is that I just basically cut off all social things. I don't, I don't spend the time on the internet. Like I can't do any of it because it's all just energetic sucks for me. And like, I definitely can't like go to the news and all that shit because it's just more emotional stuff that I have to deal with <laughs> that just takes more of my energy. And I just can't, like, I can't do it. And um, yeah, so that's been an interesting realization for me. And I don't, I really do not like it at all. <laughs> and so I don't, you know, I'm trying to shift that. But another thing that I've realized in this last year that I've been kind of realizing that at the same time is that when people talk about their shadow self, you know, they're usually talking about, or most people I know are talking about like, I mean, the shadow is just the unmanifested, right? But most people are talking about like the negative aspect, like their dark side the, is what they call it, or like the parts of themselves they don't like. 
And what I've realized lately is that my shadow isn't actually the same as other people's shadows because my, I, I'm that way all the time. Like I deal with like my own shit, my own bad attitude, my own irritation and just like having a shitty attitude all the time. But what I'm realizing is my shadow is actually the joy and the energy and like the happiness. Like that's all the stuff that's unmanifested or like living in the darkness for me. So it's like flip-flopped for most other people in that, you know, everybody, I mean, everybody who's in my daily life has to deal with my shadow. I deal with my shadow or what would be called my shadow, like my, my bad attitude or whatever, the negative aspects of me all the time, but not very often does my family or myself get to experience like my joy. And so I've also been trying to cultivate that at the same time. Like, how can I be, how can I be my shadow? <laughs> what's, what's in my, what's the unmanifested? How can I be all of that and not, yeah, live this grouchy, bedridden, sick mama archetype? <laughs> well, that's interesting. Cause uh, I mean, I feel like maybe it's just a different way of framing the understanding because I feel like for most people that the shadow is what blocks the joy. So it's not that the joy is the shadow, but it's like that you're grouchy, crappy, whatever thing that you're dealing with all the time, like that, that even though it's on the surface, it's not um, the underlying aspect of it is what is blocking the expression of the joy and the right. love and happiness. Um, I hear you about the, the unwell mother thing. I don't even know where that came from. My, I had a friend, my, so I went to Alaska when I was like 20 or 21, 20 with my a lifetime friend, fan, you know, whole big family friend unit thing. They went to visit their family and I went with them and we were all hanging out on uh, this cabin's porch one evening. And for whatever reason, this woman mentioned to me, it was my friend's mom. She mentioned to me that my mom had had postpartum depression when she had me. And I was like, she did? I didn't know that. And I carried that with me for so long. And I asked my mom, I don't remember if I asked her before I got pregnant or after my daughter was born, but she was like, oh, no, I didn't. I don't know why she said that. <laughs> but it was as if it like, planted the seed of like postpartum depression. And when I was, I mean, I didn't have a midwife, but I interviewed a bunch of midwives and I asked all of them about postpartum depression. And it was something that I'd remembered reading, you know, like in all the home birth books and stuff about um, that, you know, home birth reduces the risk of postpartum depression. And, and so I was like asking these midwives about it. And one of them asked me, do you think, are you at risk for postpartum depression? <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I don't, I don't know. But it, it, it was just such a weird thing that for whatever reason, because, because my, the birth didn't go how I wanted it to. And I felt really terrible about it. Um, I, it was like, I just was like, well, I'm depressed. I'm supposed to be depressed now. I have postpartum yeah. depression. And I just like took it on. It's like, I'll pick that outfit out of the closet and put that on and never take it off. Yeah. And, and so then it just, you know, the more you wear it, the comfier it gets, the more used to it you are. You're like, Oh, well, this is really nice. I don't actually, it's kind of want to change clothes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. And so totally, it's like, I just 
took on this like mega victim narrative for myself as a mom. And I had, you know, certain external circumstances with my daughter that, you know, were easy to use for that purpose. You know, I, I mean, she definitely had some stuff going on that was hard to deal with, but um, yeah, it was like just totally a choice and it totally yeah. didn't have to go like that. So yeah. I feel you on like saying, actually, I don't need to, I don't need to be like this. Like, actually I can yeah. just be happy. And I'm, I'm mega, I'm really in a place of <laughs> mega. I don't know why I'm saying mega. <laughs> I'm super in a place now of, um, of being greater than my environment. I'm really, really into that. And it feels so good. And I feel so crazy powerful when I can do things. And I think I'm greater than my environment right now. Like, I don't have to be affected by this and I'm not affected by this. I'm actually not affected by this. And, you know, I do ice baths and I've started doing them again here in the ocean. And I, it's funny cause I would always get into like fight or flight and get nervous about it. And I'm like, whatever, I'm just going to go do it. And I do it and I'll be in the water. And sometimes I'm shivering and I can't get control, but I'm like, I don't care. I'm fine. <laughs> you know? And I just, it's this totally different mental state around like knowing that from the inside out, I'm fine. And right. like, I'm really fine. And that none of this matters. Like it, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I go through that in different ways. Like the postpartum thing. Uh, it's interesting because in this class, this course I'm taking with Rochelle Garcia Saliga, she says, you know, postpartum depression doesn't exist. It doesn't yeah. exist because it's a natural response to a fucked up system. Like that's it. Like if you have postpartum depression, it's because you were like victimized or because you're whatever, like it doesn't exist though. Like it's a natural response to like feel, you know, sad because somebody ripped your baby away or, you know, I mean, you didn't go through that, but like that, yeah. that, uh, just it, whatever happens, that's not this natural process that your body remembers, like your body knows. So like when there's any kind of fracture, she's like, it's a natural response to be, um, what, to feel whatever you feel. Um, it's a natural response. And so, yeah, it's, I never, I never had any of that or had any thoughts about postpartum depression or whatever, but man, after I gave birth to my daughter, I was so fucking angry. Like, for years after that, like for two years at least until I quit breastfeeding. And then when I stopped breastfeeding, when she was two, things started to change or whatever, but I felt no like connection to my kid. I felt no, I mean, I loved her, but I didn't feel like a heart thing. And it was really amazing when I stopped breastfeeding her because then we started like cuddling and like, I got to cultivate other parts of a relationship because the only way that she was physically connected with me was like, sucking the life out of my tits or like crawling on me. It was just like, and I'm really sensitive to touch. So it was just really just aggravating all the time. So I was just angry. There's like these pictures of me breastfeeding where I just have the worst look on my face. And those are kind of the mental, it's kind of the mental atmosphere that I've been or the mental landscape or whatever that I've been dealing with again lately, like this last month is that getting like having those kind of thoughts take hold of me again that I haven't experienced, you know, in at least two years or whatever. And just associating them with that time after I had, I had her and just, just so much anger. And just like, it's just like this dark 
it's just dark. It's like somebody just dumped a pan of black paint on my, over my whole mind, whatever environment. And um, it just doesn't, I don't want to, like, I don't want to be that. And that was one thing Ann Nortley said in her show last week. She's like, this is all stuff that the universe is like, okay, we're moving forward, but here's some other stuff for you to look at to make sure you want to move forward. Cause you can always go back to that. And I mean, that was one of the things before I listened to her podcast, I was doing my meditation and I just like broke out into this like spontaneous prayer. And I was like, I can't be this person. I cannot be this person. I don't want to be this person. I will not go back to being this person. I would rather die than be that person. Like I am not going back. Like I was very adamant and I was just like crying and just like praying, like, I can't be this person. Like you have to help me. Like you have to help me. I can't do this on my own. You have to help me. Like you know, God, universe, whatever, like whoever's out there, you have to fucking help me, you know? And, um, that's when I got like this huge breakthrough of like feeling like it lifting off finally of me. And, um, yeah, it's just like, I just don't, I have to, I don't want to be that person. And it's interesting because my partner's kind of going through the same thing. Like he's having these, you know, like negative mind patterns that he used to have or whatever. And I'm just like, yeah, you have to make a choice. Like, you can go back to being that person or you can be a new person, but like, I'm not going back. So like, if you want to go back, like I'm not going back. I'm just going forward. I'm not going to be that person ever again. And, um, yeah, it's brought up a little bit of like me having those, that mental pattern has brought up, you know, a little bit of like, just a little bit of fear about, okay, when I have this next baby, am I going to like, get back into that because I'm going to be breastfeeding again and doing all that stuff. And it's like, no, I'm not going to, whatever it takes, I am not going back there. I don't care if I have to be on my knees 18 hours a day, praying to God to save me or whatever. I am not going back to that mental pattern. I'm just not going to do it. I can't do it. I won't do it. I'm not going to be that mom. Like I'm very clear about that. I'm not going back. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, I didn't listen to Anne or at least. Okay. So chronology for me it last week yeah I, I thought I actually thought last week about listening uh I don't know I think I thought about listening like right away or maybe later in the week but I was having a hell of a week and so I guess it it was the energies um but I I totally had a, the same kind of experience I I went from like I was high as a kite like two Thursdays ago and Thursday and Friday, I was like, oh my God, everything is amazing. I'm creating my future. And <laughs> I, was, uh, I was like living in like a semi-mystical experience for like 24 hours and it was really awesome. And it's just like, I could tune into that like in a moment's notice. And then the weekend wore on and by, by like the end of Monday, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, and the next, it was just, oh my God, it was like the longest week of my life. Like the minutes were hours. It just, it was so rough. I was just, I just got stuck in this thing and I couldn't get myself out of it. And I was doing, I was, you know, I was dumping out all my toolboxes and, and pulling all my tools and doing everything and meditating like crazy and taking time to myself and just everything I could do. And nothing was like really getting in there and shifting. And finally on 
I think it was maybe Thursday night. I was like, I put my daughter to bed and I just, I, I just, I got up. Sometimes I'll kind of like relax and fall asleep and then get up. But I was like wide awake and I was clear as day, full conviction. Like I'm getting out of this bed. I'm going up to my loft and I am meditating and I'm getting rid of this shit. I'm so done with this. And so I went up and I did, the, did this meditation that has the, this breathing practice ahead of time. And, and I was just, I had such, I had such conviction doing this practice. I was like, I am drawing all of that energy out of my lower centers and I'm not letting any of it stay. I, I just was so, so clear with it. Um, and after that, things shifted and I was able to have a lot more space around it. And then um, was able to talk to a friend of mine on Friday. And then by Saturday, I was like, I know what I'm doing. I'm good. <laughs> you know, like I got this. Yeah, I, I got the wheel now. now. <laughs> yeah, but it was just like, I was like, totally. I, I, was, I was so aware that what was happening was that I had created the circumstances for all of my shit in this one area of my life to come to the surface and be massively triggered. And so I was like super grateful while it was happening because I was aware. I was like, okay, cool. I want to get all this stuff out. I want all this stuff to, to be done. Like, I don't want to be feeling these things because I've been feeling these things for 34 years and I'm kind of done feeling like this. And that was a really cool awareness too, to recognize like, this is what I know as me. This is how I have felt for my entire life. And I don't actually want to go forward feeling like this. So in order to not go forward, not feeling like this, I don't have to fix things. I don't have to fix me. I just have to let go of feeling like this. I have to let go of the patterns inside of me that create this response because I don't want to feel like this in my future. I want to feel abundance, expansiveness, joy, love, like presence, confidence, knowing that I am connected to source at all times and all ways across time, space, dimensions, everything like that. I, you know, the solidness in myself. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was re really big week. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I love that I'm not the only one experiencing these things. And I know we're experiencing it, that there's so many other people out there who are experiencing the similar things. And um, yeah, that's, I, I had made a, a commitment to myself for a while since like January that I wasn't going to listen to Ann Ortley's podcast because I was just like, no, I'm just going to wing it. I'm just going to like take things as they come or whatever. I'm so glad I started, I listened to it this week too, but I'm like, it just is so helpful to know like what might be coming and that so that if something comes up, I can be like, oh, okay. Like this is this planet moving into this area or whatever, you know, and it's not just me because it's easy to get in that, um, in that whole thing of like, I'm a messed up person and here I go again and just like get stuck in your own poop hole and just like life sucks. And this is where I live is in this composting yeah. toilet all by myself. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, I find with her that she's, I, when I don't want to listen to her, I mean, I kind of got over it for a while, but then when I thought about listening to her last week, but what I've realized is that when I am too attached to my experience in this life, like too attached to potential outcomes. Yeah. I can't listen because what I'll, I'll get into this like paranoid freak out loop. Where I'm like, well, this is what's going to happen. So what if it happens on this, you know, and then I'll like try to plan because then it's the stress response, right? So I'm yeah. taking the, what I know and trying to predict my future so that I can be prepared for it. 
Yeah. And I, I knew that that wasn't going to be helpful given the circumstances of my life at that time. And I'm still, I'm, I'm still in that space and it's probably going to be for a little, a little yeah. bit, but. I like um, to listen to her after the, at the end of the yes. week, for like the yeah. week before it's like, okay, that all makes sense. It's like wrapping things up. <laughs> yeah. Even that though, I do that a lot, but even that some, if I'm too attached, I'll look back and I'll go, ah, oh, I did something I wrong that. because on that day, yeah. I should have been more aware. I was thinking about my sister-in-law today because I was listening and she was, um, Anne Ortley was saying um, that uh, Thursday would be a great day to go out and meet somebody new or whatever. And you know, I like sisters all trying to like date somebody or whatever, mm -hmm. or like find a boyfriend or whatever. And I was thinking I should like send this to her and be like, go out on Thursday. You're going to meet your love of your life. But I didn't want to put that pressure on her. <laughs> be like out there just be like sending her pheromones to the world on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. This Thursday? This coming Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> you go out there and send your pheromones out. Maybe you'll meet somebody. <laughs> uh, that's the worst. I, I was, that was what always got me when she was like, Venus is doing this this week. And yeah. <laughs> like Wednesday would be a good day to go out and, or, you know, pay attention to who you meet on Wednesday. And I would like, go nowhere and not leave my house because I had nothing to do and nowhere to go. And I was like, damn it. What am I going to do? How am I going to get out of the house? Bumble around outside. <laughs> like bump into my neighbors who I all know and know. Yeah. yeah. It's like maybe, maybe another EPS guy will show up. Yeah. I'll order some more packages. <laughs> well, I think this is a um, good long podcast and so I think we should end here so for those of you listening make sure to share this with your friends and family and I just realized that if you go to anchor fm the anchor.fm to our podcast you can leave us a message I don't know how you do that but if you can figure that out and you oh, fun. leave us a nice message you can leave us a nice message if you don't have a nice message well fuck off but <laughs> You don't, don't leave us a message, but so I am. Thank you for joining us for this conversation between women and we'll see you next month.